Hello, and welcome to the Amy Edwards Show. I'm your host, Amy Edwards, and we are going to talk all things gratitude and so much more today with Erwin B. Valencia. I am very excited to actually have this happening, too, because we've had a few missteps and we haven't been able to connect. And so now, finally, we're having this conversation. And gratitude is so dear to my heart that I'm excited to delve in more and see all the ways that we can use it. Speaking of that, I just want to say thank you to everyone that's here, everyone that supports this show and I'm, you're doing something for yourself. So thank yourself too. say, thank you to yourself for showing up and doing something great for you and furthering your practices. So I am really excited to introduce you to today's guest, (laughs) Erwin. Welcome. You call yourself the godfather of gratitude, which is the first thing I said to you, I think. And I love that you've just coined that term. You're a very young godfather. So (laughs) what I say? Grandfather, godfather, godfather. (laughs) Not grandfather. Godfather, yes. <laughs> the uh, Godfather of gratitude. You are a multi-hyphenate. You have more titles after your name than me or maybe anyone <laughs> I've ever met. I have a lot. So anyway, I'm going to try to list off a few. You are a physical therapist, uh, an athletic trainer, strength and conditioning coach, sports scientist, health and wellness coach, life coach. And also I read one article that said you are a mystic who helps multi-million dollar athletes find their center. You are Ooh. in addition. I know. I love that. You are in that. that was great. <laughs> I need to find that. You found that. So you need to give that to me. I was like, where? That, that's exactly. <laughs> I'll wow. Find it. I know. It's um, beautiful. And maybe the first time I've heard that. I love it. Oh, good. I thought maybe you already knew. So I should have taken credit, huh? <laughs> um, you're also a well-being expert and you are. Uh, center your messaging on bringing positivity, personal growth, and coaching to Web3 and beyond. So welcome. I I am particularly excited to talk about your journey in gratitude, since that is such a central part of what you do. So welcome to the show. And um, can I just start off by asking you how you're using gratitude every day and what that means to you? Hmm. Just you saying that already brings like chills throughout my body. I, that recognition of, of one's passion directly across this Zoom situation uh, definitely sends vibrations that for me, I feel. And I want to say thank you for, for, for sending that over and starting um, this conversation with that. Uh, you know, I think I've been so blessed to be able to um, not only have this practice that I've had, but also to be able to to share that with a lot of people, both in the Web3 metaversal space, but also in real life and to professional athletes that I, that I work with on a regular basis. So every single day, uh, you know, I, I, I do what you call, I do gratitude hack stacks. So I do like, so I do have multiple gratitude hacks and I stack them one after the other. And so, you know, it begins just merely just with waking up in the morning and uh, putting my heart, my hand in my heart, my heart on my hand, (laughs) my hand on my heart, you know, and my other hand on top of that. And even before I even wake up and open my eyes, I take a deep breath and I just like feel that beating of my heart and feel that chest rising up and down. And I tell myself, "Hmm, I'm just grateful to be alive, that I can breathe and I have one more day to create a bigger impact in this world. And I, I begin with that. I begin with that. And then how do I then I stack that then with then the next hack, which is then journaling. Obviously, I'm writing down the three things that you're grateful for and allowing that to be part of a process, a daily routine, so to speak. And then I go to the bathroom, do my little thing, brush my teeth, and then come back. And then I do a gratitude meditation. Um, then for that moment in time, I wait and I channel for what I feel is the most impactful sense of gratefulness I feel at that moment. And it's different from what I wake up with when I journal. It's more like in the moment, as you feel this, whether you're listening to um, when I'm on Headspace or Calm or any of the apps, what suddenly comes to me. And that is what I feel grateful for. And then in turn, and then uh, I do a little movement. I dance. I do a little dance with certain songs that have positivity that are are that are the ethos of the songs. And then, and then weirdly enough, I get on social media 
And I drop what I'm grateful for that day. It's a daily gratitude practice I've been doing for almost seven years, actually, six and a half years um, of just writing down what I'm grateful for, for to be able to be more accountable for that gratitude. And which started uh, from an ex-girlfriend, uh, ironically, in you know 2014, 2015, uh, when we were to, we broke up in 2015, and she was the one that says, "Hey, reminded me like, what are you grateful for and why?" I was like, "Well." I'm Filipino. I grew up being grateful because we there's so many people that did not have and and for those who have, we are reminded of the luck that we have in this life and reminded how grateful we should be. And why do I need to be? Why do you need to remind me about that? You know, I, I do this naturally in my life. She goes, well, because I want you to be accountable. And I was like, what do you mean? It's like because sometimes so many people just say, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. But then there's nothing that holds it. Nothing binds it. It doesn't become real. And the only way it becomes real is that you put, in a sense, a timeline to it, but you also put an accountability measure to it by saying, like, this one rate for blah, 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 because of this. And this is why. In that sense, it becomes more something that's real, that's held, that is then applicable into the universe. Then you can question for it. Are you really grateful for it? And then you say, yes. If you can answer that question in real time, then in a sense, not only do you feel better, but also from a science standpoint, it allows you then to be able to have that sense of change in an uncomfortable moment. So, but we can go more about that a little bit later as I geek out on gratitude. <laughs> I want you to, I want you to, that's, that's why we're here. Cause that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. I've consciously made it so much more of a practice in my own life. And I hadn't thought about the accountability accountable nature of what I do. And I really, I like that. I do keep a gratitude journal, but I've been trying to go deeper in my own practices and do it as I'm falling asleep. And I've been doing it with self-love when I fall asleep, mm. and when I wake up, but I'm doing it now more in a gratitude space. And okay. since you started doing it for the last seven years, became more accountable with it. What changes have you seen in your life? Um. First and foremost, I I'm happier on a regular basis. But then that's, I'm always that, that in itself, so many people are searching for it. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, plain and simple that. But I've always been a happy dude, so <laughs> I, I think like you, you know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like good I, nature. Yeah, uh, good natured is the right word. Uh, yeah, I think it's it also has to do with the fact that I. I, I know, I knew from a young age how lucky I was. And uh, no matter how much, uh, I, I guess, nagging my mom would have of me, of reminding me of how lucky I was, I think at some point as I took a look around, I realized that what she was saying was true. And when that occurred, I said, you know what, I'm going to live my life to the fullest because not everyone has this opportunity. So when I live it, I live like every day is a gift. Number one, number two, to not overcry, to not cry over spilled milk because you know what? There's another opportunity to to make a difference. And and a three, it's like, do you know what? You're only given so much time in a day, so much time in a week, so much time in a year. And if you don't maximize each moment, then what are you truly living for? So, um, so I, so so yeah. So I think it's kind of one of those funny things that just gives me that ability to really um, to wake up and be happy. But then funny enough, as I began really doing more of the research in positive psychology, was I was lucky enough to be part of a program of positive psychology, University of Pennsylvania, that was, that's where positive psychology started through Martin Seligman, is that I realized one of our first papers that, that was given to us was the paper of the, uh, of the recent poll of the happiest people in the world and what what they were and like what they had and the you know it quantified the people from a five percent to you know to the 25 percent and the rest of 50 percent but also there was like this one percent and like the one percent of happiest people in the world had certain qualities and i looked at that research and i checked it out and i said i check every one of these so i belong to the one percent of the world that is really one of the happiest people in the world. So <laughs> what were they? Do you remember? Um, if I remember correctly, which I, I actually shouldn't know this just because the fact I'm actually doing a PhD on gratitude. So I actually know this by heart. Oh, cool. We're going to be asked on this. Um, number one, um, you, you know, you maybe grew up in not necessarily you, you had means number one, not necessarily like 
a lot, but you just had something that would suffice your daily needs. Okay. Whether it's getting a little bit of food, whether it's like being able to have transportation, I think number one, shelter, number one, number one, number two, Mm -hmm. obviously safety, safety, freedom, freedom and safety are kind of the same kind of way where you have the ability to express yourself Okay. and and not in a sense, be, be stopped or stomped on for that. And it doesn't have to be this massive thing that you're an activist, but it's just like, you feel safe and free that you can go take a bike and bike as much as you want and not feel afraid that, you know, something's going to happen to you. Um, three, uh, one of the things they talked about was um, the ability to learn something different every day. And it doesn't have to be massive. It's, it's like, oh, one of those things that you're like, somebody says, hey, did you know that, you know, tomatoes are fruits and not vegetables? And you're just like, sure. really? But the fact that you learn something once a day makes you then realize that you're like, huh, you know, I feel like maybe something else is coming up tomorrow. So I, I think these three things ironically uh, quantify that. I mean, there's, I think there's five, five in total, five or six, and I'll have to probably like, remember, and probably like hit you back up on that. And, and That's remember. okay. And what was, was one of them gratitude or no? Not necessarily. Um, okay. it's, it's the, I think it's the, it was the happiest people in the world. Um, it it allowed them to have their well being up, and uh, ironically, gratitude is only one of, in a sense, one of five things that it relates to what you call the PERMA scores. And the PERMA scores determine what your well being score is, so to speak. And gratitude technically is on the side of positive emotions, mm-hmm. although. The beautiful thing about gratitude is that it's the only emotion, feeling, or variable that actually has no negative polarity. So that then when you're in the true state of gratitude, you can't have negativity to it. You can't be ungrateful while you're being grateful. You can be happy and be kind of sad because you're like, I'm happy. Yeah, but you don't have time. Sad because like I won, but like it's hard. You know, you could be joyous, but also angry because like victory, but kill them. You know, it's like you have that. But when you're in the state of gratitude, there's no other polarity or emotion that can come into you. So when you're just, it's almost this funky flow state of just being like, I am grateful. And even if you say that, even with a smile on your face and some experiments were actually done, it's like, yeah, I'm grateful. And you're trying to say, can I, is there other emotions? No. The only thing that's come close to it is a true sense of mindfulness. Like when Buddhist monks find themselves in meditation and be in that state of presence fully, that is the only thing that comes close to being in that state of gratitude, which has no other polarity but it. Do you ever find yourself slipping out of that state or are you a master? I mean, no, I, I mean, I'm human. Uh, <laughs> I think that's part of our humanity, right? To experience exactly. it all and to come back to it and coming. I think there's such a gift in coming back to things so many times and remembering and there's such beauty in that. And we tend to discount it sometimes and just want to stay in that one space rather than saying, oh, I get to discover this again. I get to enjoy it again. You know, what's funny is, is as you said that, it, what came back to me is I, I, I went into the, the, the metaversal world uh, probably the, at the end of last year, um, launching an NFT project uh, in honor of um of Filipinos uh, that were affected, especially kids that were affected by the typhoon in the Philippines. And essentially it was, uh, uh, I was hacking the nonprofit system to be able to generate funds, to be able to give back to rebuilding schools for kids in the Philippines and also providing them with mental health services because of the trauma that they had with this massive category five typhoon that hit a number of the islands in the Philippines. And, and, one of my mentors, Gary Vee, would always say like, hey, it's the hardest part about, about being in this Web3 space isn't everything you do prior to launch. It's what happens after launch because now you're going to be held accountable for everything that you do by everyone who has now claimed stake to what you're selling. And and I said, you know what? I'm, I have a, you know, I'm a pretty good community builder. I have a number of communities that I nurture. There's people that I've mentored for 10, 20 years, so to speak, that I've taken care of, even as a, as a young boy that suddenly just felt like being a mentor, being a coach was something came natural to me. But 
really for the first two weeks after launch and because we didn't sell out and at that time in february uh, you know there's so many things happening like literally we launched and then the war in ukraine happened Ugh. and that i couldn't control but then people's attention were like why are we putting money into an NFT project when there's a war that's happening and it really gave me a, a test of this guy that you know a guy that that helps people with their well-being. Suddenly I'm having a challenge with my well-being for two weeks straight. Like I was in a hole and I, I forgot to do my gratitude practice. And I, I was like, uh, you know, that's more I have bigger issues than this. I'm I'm already filled with gratitude. Why do I need to do is my I mean the project's name was Gratitude Gang. So, you know, it, it, I'm in I'm engulfed with it. Why do I need to like go back and refocus? And what's interesting is that it took one of my team members to say, hey, why don't you let go of it for a little bit and just focus on you and focus on the practice that you used to do. And that was me waking up with my hand in my heart, reminding myself that I'm alive. And when I started doing that after two weeks, I slowly got back to myself. But it's interesting that yes, you do lose it sometimes because in fact, we are human. And when we're in it, we just don't know the difference. You're exactly right. When we're in it, we don't know the difference and we forget that we're just human beings having this experience and it's all okay because it's all part of it. Mm -hmm. We have to feel all these things. That's part of our nature is just accepting our humanity for sure. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to get a PhD in gratitude? Like, I don't <laughs> think I've ever heard that. I know. I'm probably going to be one of the world's first because- uh, Yay. That's I, so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think there's there's some that have used maybe you know a PhD in positive psychology, but I, I, I when I began really looking at the science um, about it, and I said I'm already doing this naturally as my own anecdotal research for the past six seven years. I said might as well just get a couple of letters beside my name while I do this. Yeah, you know, I mean, I already have a doctoral degree, so I don't really need another one, but it's completely different. So I said, you know what, might as well do it, and. Um, and this was something I proposed to the University of Granada in Spain. Uh, one of my advisors uh, is a longtime friend and also the head of uh, the clinical and medicine, clinical medicine and public health faculty of the University of Granada in Spain, which is the third largest um, research institution in all of España. And he, I told him about this. I said, I would love to see how gratitude, and this is my thesis actually, um, the, you know, what is the impact of gratitude, of a gratitude mindset to athlete wellness, recovery, and performance? Because I think for a long time, the sports world and the performance world has always been part of this mindset of this rah, rah, gladiator fight, kill them before they kill us, this like old school mentality of fight, fight, fight. Um, but then I was very lucky enough to, you know, one of my mentors, um, in the world of sports was a guy named Phil Jackson. And Phil Jackson won 11 championships without this rah-rah big, but finding stillness and mindfulness. And I said, huh, and I thought about this and I said, what if now knowing that mindfulness and gratitude are very close to each other as it relates to not having any negative polarity when you're in that state. So I said, what if I use gratitude as a, hack a reminder a technique to allow my athletes to then shoot better free throws to be able to sleep better even after a hard night of 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 a hard a hard game so to speak or or maybe what if i can use gratitude to then let their heart rates get lower so that then they can endure more challenges with regards to like their performance on the court or on the field and that's kind of when it clicked and i said okay I, I can see where this can go. And imagine if we can find this study and we can do this experiment um, and to be able to then determine that perhaps we don't have to always be in this rah-rah fight, militaristic kind of mode, but rather finding this nature of stillness, peace, and gratitude, and then still perform at the highest level. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the, if you watch these old Kung Fu movies, you know, some of the greatest fighters were these monks that just mm -hmm. sat down in stillness and kept quiet. And then suddenly, like somebody would try to attack them and be like, we go <laughs> yeah. so fast with it because their sensitivity to everything was so much better. They're, just, so, they're one with everything. They were one with everything. Mm -hmm. So what if you can be one, but using the power of gratitude that has no negative polarity to be able to be your driving force to get you there? So and what are you finding? Question. 
What are you well, finding? Well, well, what I'm slowly finding is, and we haven't done all the experiments yet. We started doing some preliminary stuff anecdotally, but it's kind of just interesting um, that number one, heart rate variability does go down. So you're able to then, you know, when you're feeling anxious or stressed and, the, you know, the HeartMath Institute has already done multiple research studies on this where you, you know, you're, you're anxious or whatever. And then suddenly like, okay, for focus on gratitude. And then suddenly your heartbeat drops and now you're more like still. And so just within that, that that already happens. Number two, you know, those who have probably started to say, Hey, before you go to bed, why don't you start journaling? Just even just write something, just write the three things that happened in your day. That was amazing. That got you really got through your day, no matter how challenging it was. And I found that that allowed them to not, not necessarily, you know, sleep, right away especially if they, they're the, the type that really gets you know after a game gets so amped up but rather their 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 quality of sleep has then gotten better mm-hmm. and if your quality of sleep's better then you're able to perform better on the court the next day because you got better quality of sleep even though it's shorter so mm-hmm. uh, and those are just little preliminary stuff that from an anecdotal standpoint we haven't done the full-on experiments yet that had the proper numbers of people to be able to determine whether or not we're finding true causality. Are you ready to up-level your pleasure practice? I have in mind, and one of the tools that I've used is from Wands. That's W-A-A-N-D-S. One of my favorite items that they have is the cervix wand. It is their number one best-selling glass pleasure wand for vaginal and anal de-armoring. That means more sensation. That means more getting in touch with your body. It's designed for cervical and G-spot stimulation, and it has helped thousands of women become more connected to themselves and their own pleasure while supporting them to heal pelvic pain through self-yoni massage. So if you are curious about getting more in touch with yourself, then I have an offer for you. You can get a discount using my code, Amy Edwards, but if you use the link in the show notes, you can get 20% off from Wands. They have so many other beautiful items to choose from with a large selection of 100% pure crystal pleasure wands. They create the most gorgeous, luxurious products that encourage you to honor your body, celebrate your sexuality, and live in pleasure which is a big part of what we're about on this show. And yes, I use one myself. So go today to wands.com, that's W-A-A-N-D-S, and use the code Amy Edwards for 10% off, or use my link in the show notes for 20% off of your purchase from Wands. Again, my favorite is the cervix wand. It is trademarked and it is amazing. Take it from me. Check it all out and the reviews on wands.com. That's W-A-A-N-D-S.com. And use my link in the show notes for 20% off. And for recovery too, I don't know if this is related, but I know in Becoming Supernatural, Joe Dispenza talks about actual studies where gratitude boosted immunoglobulin A, if I can say it right. Immunoglobulin A. A, Is that correct? Immunoglobulin A. um, Okay. Thank you. And, uh, that boosts our immune system. And so, you know, there were actual studies where gratitude was paying off in our immune system. So I started, after I read that, I started a dedicated practice of it for that reason too, during the pandemic. And I just thought, why not, why not boost it if we can? And I was trying to share that with people as well, but maybe too, you'll find that that can affect recovery. I mean, well, I don't- yeah, if you're, if you're, if you are able to um, in, increase the, the, the blood cells in a sense in your body and with that more oxygen is able to then come in, mm-hmm. then in turn, you're able to then have more recovery because then you have more oxygen that's flowing through your body. So in essence, yeah, physiologically there, you know, the physiologically that has the ability to help you. And when you do that from a physiological standpoint, then you're able to perform. Uh, much better. I mean, obviously, it doesn't mean that you become Superman, become the greatest basketball player ever. It just, it, it just gives. It doesn't give you skill. It gives you the ability to be able to be ready, full force. <laughs> yeah. Do you use it um, for yourself and for your athletes in a 
future projecting way. What do you mean? I mean, feeling gratitude for the things you want, like oh. maybe the, you know, upcoming championship or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why I haven't used that yet. Uh, that's almost like I, that kind of goes in the border of manifestation. Uh, yes. And so the question, and if I'm hearing this correctly, is that does gratitude affect your ability to manifest? Are, are you using it in a sense? Way? I believe it does. Or yes. are you using that? And way? I do use it in that way where I'll sit with things and, you know, feel gratitude for the goal list and as if it already is. So mm. I was wondering if you are. I personally it. use it for the present. You do. Okay. So I use it for a grateful for like what is now. So sometimes, yeah. because a lot of times when we're grateful just for the past, you know, it is something that's already done and we can't make a difference in it. So if we're, if we are grateful for the present, it allows us to say in this present moment, I'm living it and I'm living mm-hmm. this, this, whatever I'm grateful for, then allows you then to have more possibility for that intention that you set as you write it down. And particularly if you write it with your hand and make it plain, then there's a possibility for manifesting in the future, but you're living it in the present. And sometimes um, what I do for my morning gratitude practice is to write it in the present moment. And then my night practice is to write what happened in the day and the past, what happened throughout my day and allowing you then to have both sides of the coin, almost like once again, an accountability tool for you of saying like, Hey, did this, like, uh, you know, I'm grateful. Uh, I wake up in the morning. I'm grateful that I have an, that, that, uh, that, that I'm able, that I can sleep, that I can sleep, let's say seven, eight hours a day, allowing me to perform at my highest level, so to yeah. speak. And then at the end of the day, you know, I would write it down. I'm, you know, I'm grateful, um, that today was such a productive day. Yeah. You know? And you then, okay, how yourself accountable on both measures. Mm-hmm. And it trains you, it, it trains you to start seeing it. It trains you to pull that up at any moment, you know, like I know that I'm able to just find gratitude in unconventional spaces and unconventional ways that will surprise me just because I've trained my mind to go for that, to look for that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of the idea behind it when you make yourself accountable, wouldn't you say? Hmm, Absolutely. Because when you make it accountable, you make it real. Mm-hmm. You make the thing that you wish for, the thing that you are grateful for, something that's real and not just a flighty moment of an emotion that now it disappears. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in some of the questions I asked you before we met, you did say that you manifested your dream job, you know, <laughs> through through these practices, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, it's funny is that, you know, for, for a long time, yeah, growing up in the Philippines, you 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 never know, you know where you where you can go, and you know when that actually happened for me, I I was asked by a Filipino reporter that flew in from the Philippines when I finally made it to professional basketball, and he says, "What what advice do you have for kids?" back in the Philippines that maybe one day want to follow in your footsteps. And without question, without doubt, I looked up, I held the mic in my hand and then I said three things. I said, visualize it, prepare for the path and manifest it. And that has become my life's motto in essence is because when I was 18, I, you know, I dreamed, I woke up one morning maybe something my subconscious just was like oozing out of me. And I woke up one morning in like a a full sweat and I dreamed and saw myself standing in an arena, smelling the mixture of cologne and the popcorn mixed together, you know, the cologne, the coaches next to me and the popcorn that's around to the, 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 the scene of like cameras flashing and the lights from like the stadium or the arena to feeling the floor and the and the and the balls bouncing on the floor uh, as well as the dancers dancing around and and I could literally I could see I could see it I could smell it I could hear it I could I, I mean literally all my senses were fired up and I said I woke up that morning I said that's it like if I I don't know what that means I don't know it may not be me playing on the court it may not be even be coaching in in the technical aspect of what coaching is a basketball but 
after finding really through self-awareness of what my skills are and what my gifts are, I realized that my gift is nurturing uh, and what better way to be supportive of professional athletes than being the star behind the superstar. And this was the dream. This was the dream I had. And I said, okay, now how do, how do I get there? How do I prepare for this path? You know, you, you go to school, you, you know, you do the internships that don't pay you anything. You go to networking events, even though you, you get said, told, no, you can't do this. You're too young, or you don't have enough experience, or you need to get an American degree. Cause I finished physical therapy school first in the Philippines. And then I came here and I thought I was behind the eight ball while everyone was finishing a master's in physical therapy. I was just finishing a bachelor's and everyone was finishing a master's. And when, when I then went on to finding a master's in sports medicine and athletic training, then everyone's going to doctorate. And I was like, I'm always chasing the eight ball, but in the end, you know, it was each step was important for my own personal growth to make be able to sure I was ready. Even when I actually didn't get a job initially with baseball, uh, with basketball, meaning that I found myself in baseball first in professional sports. And I'm initially, I was like, dude, no, nobody's going to recognize a Filipino doing anything in baseball. Why would you want to do that? It's not a sport we do. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take this as an opportunity for me to learn how to be in professional sports, to learn the politics, to learn how to be you know, working, you know, 24 hours a day, pretty much be on call all the time. Um, and, and try to prove not only to myself, but other people that even if you're behind the eight ball, you can still achieve what you want to achieve. So I said, I, I, my goal was to be the best clinician in all of baseball. You know, I said, if I'm going to do this and maybe one day get an opportunity in basketball, I'm going to be the best clinician in baseball. And that's what I did. I, I took every possible certification and course. I probably at one time had 36 letters beside my name that I couldn't fit in business cards anymore. Um, and, but when I left baseball, I thought I had two opportunities to go into basketball. And I thought, this is it. I did the work. I deserve this job. And I ended up being number two on both positions. And I think it was because I was pushing it too much. And we know we, when we feel like something is so close and you've done the work, you're like, I'm going to grab it. Like it's here. I want it. One, then you force it. And then they're like, I think those on the opposite end will feel you wanting to force it. It's like, there's a word in Filipino we call atat. Atat means you just, you're, you're, you want it so much that you just, you're, you're showing it too much. People are feeling that you're well, too like anxious that. about it. <laughs> yeah. right? you're, you're, do what that do, just chill, you know? And do you know what? And it was a period of time when I finally like, you know what? I let go completely of the NBA dream. I decided to go on the four hour work week life and, you know, travel around the world for two years. And it was on my birthday of 2014 that I was in the middle of Prague and um, staying with a friend. And I woke up in the morning on my birthday and I gave gratitude to the universe and said, thank you for allowing me to not only live this four hour work week, but to be able to fly around the world, go salsa dancing and bachata dancing and, and also create impact because I started an educational company that brought you know, sports medicine education to places around the world that had no readily access to it. Uh, and I brought like ins instructors and experts who otherwise wouldn't show up in the middle of Czech Republic or wouldn't show up in Cambodia or the Philippines or even New Zealand. And I created a company so that education can flow freely throughout the world. And it didn't matter whether you had money or not. And so it was a social enterprise that I created called Kinetic. And while I was in Prague, I, I, I was grateful for that. So I thank you for being able to let me live this life. But there's only one thing that I wish for that if you grant this, I don't think I'll ever ask for anything else. It's something I wished for when I was 18. It's fulfilling that dream of a Filipino kid who wished to be in the NBA to not only for me, but for the millions of Filipinos who is that young boy, young girl that wants to be in the NBA because basketball is our number one sport in the Philippines. And the Philippines has the second oldest basketball league in the world. And we love it. It's, it's, it's God, Manny Pacquiao, the boxer, and then <laughs> yes. basketball. You know, yeah. God, Manny Pacquiao, and then basketball. And so, mm -hmm. so for me to be, you know, to, to have the credentials enough and the education and the background and the skills, I was so close. And so maybe I said, you know what? If you give me, I, I, I asked the universe, God, and I said, if, if you can grant this wish, you know, I, I'd truly be happy. And I'm sure I'll make sure I use every moment I can to inspire the rest of the millions of Filipino kids that will get there one day. And, um, and I basically 
went to the middle of Prague, gave hugs to about 300 people. Uh, instead of making it rain and popping champagne, I decided to give hugs to about 300 people. Uh, we had a sign. It says, before it became a thing on social media, I just did it. There wasn't even like big social media back then. It was like, this was 2014. So it was the start of social media. So it was just me, you know, I was giving hugs freely and and um, it was just a beautiful day. I didn't ask, you know, I, I, I didn't ask for anything in return, just but for the feeling of being the gift. And it's funny because this till this day, every time on my birthday, I always give, I always do a charity, something that is charitable on my birthday itself. And lo and behold, two days after that, I got a call from a basketball team. Wow. And, and then subsequently for the next two weeks, I got more calls to the point that in two weeks, I had calls from five different basketball teams. <laughs> I didn't send any CVs. I didn't ask people to give my name somewhere, but for some strange reason, people, I was suddenly in demand and people wanted my services and I was in Prague giving hugs. So. <laughs> That's incredible. It's a true testament to living it, you know, to letting go and to preparing, but you don't even know what the path is. So you have to let go sometimes. I don't think we can ever be fully prepared. And instead yeah. you just prepared by doing the self-work, which is always exactly. that huge paradox that everything is. It's, it's, um, I don't know. I just find that the more I learn, the more everything is a paradox. So you do that <laughs> internal work, right? And you give the hugs and you give, and then it just keeps flowing back to you. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny is that I, not only, not only was I given these opportunities without sending a single CV out, it also allowed me to pick which ones of these teams that I was going to join. And I, had to, I literally had to pick at the litter, but I asked myself, okay, then what's, where, where would I go? Because what can I do with where I'm going? And for me, the most important thing is impact and service. And so what place can I go to that would have the highest possibility for me to serve, not only for kids back home in the Philippines, but maybe every other immigrant kid or every other, you know, challenged kid that ever dreamed of something bigger and be a symbol for that. And um, then I said, you know, uh, there's, you know, you know, there's no better place than being in the Big Apple. And not only that, I also had two friends that were working in an organization that were already there. And number three, um, uh, you know, for everyone that's ever given, given me a couch to sleep in, um, I said, I want to be in a city where I'm definitely going to be a layover, uh, or, or a stopover that if they need a place to stay, they're always welcome because of what they gifted me while I was doing my traveling by myself. And, um, and lastly, an opportunity to work with the guy that I've always idolized, the guy that helped both two of the greatest basketball players of all time, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant become who they were through stillness and through mindfulness and, um, and to be able to be one of the handful of people that he has on his speed dial list. Mm -hmm. It was a dream come true for me. Uh, and that, that fulfilled really a childhood dream of being able to learn directly from the Zen master. And what's you guys' relationship like? Uh, well, he, you know, he, He's been gone from the organization for. No, I don't since. know. I'm sorry. Since. I don't know my basketball. He's been gone from the organization for a while now. Um, I, I feel like I don't hear his name. So <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't keep up with basketball. Too. No worries. No worries. But I, I think for the time that we were together, I learned a lot because I realized we were so similar. He was a hippie in the 1970s while playing for cool. the Knicks, won a championship, two championships, in fact, while playing for the Knicks. And, but he was, he was the yoga guy. At that time, yoga was just still coming into the United States from, from people from India that come in. It was like the LA thing, you know, it's like, it's a cool New York, LA studio 54 kind of thing to have the gurus hang around. And he was one of those that really uh, took into it. And so when he began coaching and one of his first big jobs, obviously the head coach of the Chicago Bulls and, you know, one of his greatest disciples uh, was Michael Jordan, who then became one of the greatest basketball players of all time. So, uh, and it was, and people will say that the difference with MJ compared to many people, many athletes that they've seen or watched is his ability and his power to remain present at all times. And that's how he beats you. 
Ah, wow. What are, what are the practices? What did you learn from him? Like in particular, like in particular? Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, so he would, he, you know, he, his, he was like Yoda. He was kind I of, tricky. He's, he's like, he was a six foot seven Yoda. He was kind <laughs> of tricky. He would walk around. You don't know when he's coming. He's very light footed, very mindful of how he walks. So you, you don't know if like he's coming up behind you. And, and when he speaks, he speaks like almost in riddles. Like he would never just say, Hey man, what's going on? No, it'd be hello, Erwin. How is your day? <laughs> like, and then you're oh, waiting. God. You're like, is, is there more? <laughs> you know? But he wants you to be able to reply, but also see how you react. If you get freaked out, then you'd be like, then you're going to spill the beans about something you're not supposed to, or whatever. Or you'd ask about a player and he's mainly asking for one thing. Next, you know, you're explaining 10 different things. And it's like, I am only asking about one thing. <laughs> I think when you're that slow and methodical about something, you're calling someone further into yes, the present, right? Exactly. That's exactly what I was doing. And I was like, it's like the force was like <laughs> bringing me in. And, um, and, I, and one of the most brilliant things was witnessing that and not only witnessing me being part of that, but also witnessing that as he does that for other people. But then when we finally, you know, he watched me for a month before talking to me, like he didn't even talk to me for a month. He just watched me, you know? And I was like, and one day I was, I was on the ground getting some ice for one of my players and he really hovered behind me and said, well, hello, Erwin. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I was like, okay. Uh, all right. This, this is it. This is, this is it. This is happening now. And we had a great relationship. He spent some time in the Philippines playing basketball there. He, he, he named a number of the basketball players that were there that he played against in the 1970s and was like, wow. For me, I was like, and I didn't realize he was a traveler himself that just, you know, you know, took a motorcycle and took it all over New Zealand. I was like, he is, he's my guy. That's, I, have a, I have a total appreciation for him now. I had no <laughs> idea. No, I mean, I've heard his name. I knew who he was when you were talking about him, but I didn't know anything about that. And that's really cool. What, what yeah. a gift. So um, how have you carried some of that forward with the players? Do you find it just ingrained in your own practices that you use with the players or do you reference him a lot or did you take up some of maybe his ways? I, I think in a sense, I've uh, maybe slightly taken over that essence that he has around. Uh, it was because of him that we were able to start uh, really the meditation program back up in the NBA, so to speak. Oh, I did not us. know that. Wow. And so, cause he was one of the first to bring meditation and yoga as a head coach to the NBA in the early 1980s. And they were always saying, he's kind of weird. I'm not sure what this is going to do for the players. And next, you know, he's 11 championships. So, you know, that just tells you something. And yeah. I, I mean, so, my partner, my partner is a professional athlete. He's a MMA fighter and um, he uses both of those religiously and believes in both of those. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how it is spilling over into a mainstream thing for a lot of athletes. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting is that when, you know, I asked him, it says, I asked him, should, can we do, can, I would like to definitely continue to do what you used to do with the players. But I think some of the players, especially the younger ones didn't really understand his essence and what he did because they were part of a different generation. And so I said, if they can't, they can't really resonate with him doing these meditations for 20, 30 minutes after practice inside a room because they either fall asleep, they're tired, or, you know, they just don't want to deal with it. What's the one thing that these younger generation athletes spend a lot of time on? It's their phone. So I said, maybe if we use meditation and then, and mindfulness and use the phone as, as, as a tool, then maybe we can come across more, more, more of them. And so I reached out to my friend, Andy Puttacombe and Rich Pearson, who started Headspace. And I said, how can, you know, Headspace was one of the first true meditation apps. And they have a great story of how that whole started. And I asked Andy, do you, do you think we can use Headspace as part of a recovery um, 
here with our team. And he goes, well, we'll see what we can do and see how we can integrate that. Because ironically, we also have a sports beta that we'd like to test. And maybe you can give us feedback of how it's going and and be, before we launch it into the London Olympics. And so, you know, we 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 were one of the first to really help Headspace to to become us something that athletes would be able to use. And uh, you know, that was one of my prouder moments in life to be able to create yeah. that partnership. And now the NBA yeah. and Headspace have a, almost like a have have a forever partnership that's going on. So as long as you're an NBA employee or athlete, you have access to Headspace in, perpet- in perpetuity. That's so cool. Yes, I, w- I was going to say, you must feel really good about that. That's a, what a, a magnificent thing that just spills out and keeps ripple affecting, you know, outward. Yeah. And, and that's impact. not something I, I asked for. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. We're going back to, to impact and inspiration. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't something I, I meant to do. I was, in a sense, selfishly, I just wanted to make sure my guys had access to it. And uh, and the attrition rate was bad. You know, you, out of the 15 guys, you'll you know, within a week, you'll, you know, you'll have seven people use it. And within two weeks, you'll only have like five. And then by the end of three or end of a month, you'll have maybe like three people left. But if those two or three people can last the entire year and continue to use it, then you've done your job. And it's funny what I did to enhance that. I I, I kept, I brought Andy, uh, the voice of Headspace to our practices, whether in LA or in New York, and just to have guys realize that he's a real person and that kind of inspire them a little bit more and allow them to like get back into it. But I think what I've learned now from being this kind of wellness shaman guru in, in the world of high performance sport is that like with anything, you just have to drop a seed and it's up to the athletes to decide when they're going to let that seed become a sprout and then become a plant or a flower. We can't force them to to use that seed and make it into a plant or a flower within the same day. Yeah. Sometimes it takes months, sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes two years, or sometimes it takes totally. years after injury or after then getting injured to then say, hey, what is that stuff that Erwin used to do with us? Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to use it. And if if they get to do that and give me a call one day and say, hey, I'm doing that breathing thing that we used to do, then that gives me a tears in my eyes. I know it's true for anything, for anybody. How many times do you know about a practice or something like that, or even a hat behind you? How many times do you buy one and then you don't wear it for like eight months and then you go, oh yeah, you know, this one, and then it's your favorite or something like that. So I think that is applicable for anyone. And sometimes they just come when they're supposed to come and that mm-hmm. is okay. Right. And I, thought, and I thought there was another um, idea in that story that is very interesting. And that is using, combining modern tools with other practices, whether it's gratitude or whether it's mindfulness or anything so many times we can look at it and say, this isn't working, this isn't working. But if you combine it with things that we're already doing, like your phone and finding new ways to think about things, which is exactly what you did. You said, well, they're on their phone. So how can we combine those things? And there's such a good lesson in that. It's not really a question, but I mean, I think you would probably agree that you just have to be a little more innovative in your thinking and get creative in the ways that you approach them. Yeah, because I think we we live in a, such a fast changing world and you have to be abreast of what's going on in the current times or you get left behind. It's not even from you, from your growth. It's like if you're planning to try to bring a message across and whether that message is of inspiration, of impact, of service or whatever it is that you have, you have to be able to put it and package it in a situation where people on the opposite side can resonate with it or else they'll say like, I really don't understand what he or she is trying to say because I don't seat in front of me. It's not the medium that I use. So I think this was funny enough. This is one of the challenges as a little bit of a, an, an older person in the TikTok world, you know, I was like, like, <laughs> do I, like, do I want to just do these dances just because I want to gain a following in there? But like, maybe if I just continue with my message and try to use that and see if that works and, and it's not always going to work all the time, but you need to at least try to see if you can get further uh, if not, then you move on somewhere that not only you're comfortable, but also feel that it can create that impact that you want. And you're using NFTs too. Like yeah. that's yeah. that's pretty, you know, 
of the moment. Like, <laughs> it was. I, I, mean, it, it, I want to do that, but I, I feel I, I get a little confused. So I have not, <laughs> I have not jumped into NFTs yet, but I really I, want to. I did full on. I got the go signal from and support from, from Gary V and he says, let's do it. And when he said, let's do it, I didn't know what he meant. And I was like, oh, this is real. And I guess let's, okay, then, yeah, now this is what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and and yeah, we went through the empty space, but the, the bear market has really hit every one of us. And, yeah. and now people who are not making the money now in NFTs are now like having to find other jobs. And now they're kind of falling out of the NFT world, even myself, because I, I was so disheartened uh, when we spiked up and then we went down and we just couldn't, it was hard to get back up. But you know what, as with anything else, there's a season for it. And uh, the season is uh, our season. And that's when the good things will continue to roll. Yes. I was just looking at your TikTok too. I just pulled it up. So I <laughs> my follow TikTok. you there too. Yes. I hadn't followed yes. you on TikTok, so I needed to. <laughs> you follow me. My, I need I need to get I need to get to my 100 people and you you know I haven't really done YouTube, but like I think I need to use YouTube. I, I think that's one of those things that like I think I kind of pushed to the side for so long. Me too. Me too. I need, but mm-hmm. I think we need, I think even like this broadcast, you need to put it on YouTube so no more people more people. It see is. It. it will be. So uh, yes, and you're welcome to to put it on your channel too because I own the content. So we can yeah. we can spread it around all we want. Amen. Um, amen. You know what? I'm I'm not about like hoarding the information. I'm more about you, like impact and, and sharing because there's always more. It's not a zero sum game, and we can get caught up in that mindset so many times that you know there's only so much out there. And so I have to hold mine close. No, there's infinite abundance and infinite everything. And there's plenty for everyone. Absolutely. Um, You're speaking my language, girl. That's why you have a sign in the back there. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I knew we spoke the same language. I mean, everything that you're all about is what I'm also all about. And I wanted to ask you, as we were talking about your job and everything that you've been working on, what's, what's like the biggest goal of yours that you can think of? Like, if you were like to look back on your life one day, what would be just like the biggest thing that you could say, I did that, like your biggest impact? You know, initially I thought it was being the first Filipino raised and educated in the Philippines to be in the NBA. Uh, I thought it was the biggest goal. And then I got it. Uh, You got to go bigger. You got to go bigger. And then I got to go bigger. So the moment I got there, I asked myself, okay, then what's bigger than this? Then I said, okay, what I want to do is my mission is to impact uh, and inspire um, at least 1 million Filipinos directly and personally in the next five years. What's the population of the Philippines? The Philippines has 100 million people. Wow. And there's there's about 23 million people in Manila alone. I did not realize it was so yes. big. We gathered around 7,641 islands. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I know that you talked a lot about community and honoring your community, honoring where you're from. And I think that that is a really impactful message in itself. And I was wondering if you could speak more to that um, because I think that we could all probably, you know, do more of that, of honoring communities that maybe we are a part of even as, I don't know, a woman or as, Mm. you know, whatever, whatever that might speak to us. When it comes to purpose, it it begins with the self-awareness of what is definitely important to us. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, growing up, when you grow up in the Philippines, and I was very lucky enough not to just grow up in the Philippines. I was I was born here in the U.S. We moved to Houston and from Houston, moved to the Southern Island of the Philippines in Davao. And then at the age of eight, I was sent on a plane by myself to go to California to live with my godfather uh for a year and a half or two because of the political issues that were going on in the philippines which then have created threats to my life at the age of eight and um and coming back home to the philippines you kind of have the you you start seeing the difference once you live abroad and come back you see the difference and then then i lived in japan and then i lived in indonesia and then i kept seeing the difference and i think the beautiful thing about travel particularly at such a young age and living with other families at a young age i was very lucky to have uh, a lot of exchange programs is that when you know the difference and you can have more empathy and i think 
when I began having that awareness of the empathy I had of my people and the people that I stepped outside my gate of, I then realized really that there is a population in the Philippines of those that have and have not. And so it's inherent in our culture that if you do have, how can you then support so that those that have not can also have? And mm-hmm. um, and I think it's almost a very saintly thing. I I I, I think it's uh, it's something that it's not only inherited in my culture, but also through my parents and my family. My grandfather was somebody who was about the people. My he was not only the ambassador, well, former uh, a former governor of a province in the Philippines, Papanga, but he also during a period of time in politics, you know, he was stripped away of everything he had and he had to build from scratch. And lucky enough, he was an engineer and used his intelligence to be able to then build not only back a country, but also build our family back. And for that, I, you know, it's something, he's one person I've always looked at and looked up to. And my great uncle in New Jersey, where I was born, my mom uh, was working as an assistant for him in his private medical practice in Lodi, New Jersey, while she was going to business school in, in Fairleigh Dickinson there. And my father was doing his uh, like on-the-job training after business school in Japan at in Manhattan. And he was a, he was a, a man for the people. Like he basically, while going to uh, his... Um, residency and fellowships at Mount Sinai, he also took care of the people within the neighborhood of where they were living. And he had a bunch of kids already, but he needed to make sure he took care of the people. So he was a cardiac surgeon. And and if anyone in the neighborhood needed anything, his door was open for them. Even to the point that one time I heard that a, a postman who got sca- caught in the storm just was still trying to deliver mail. And he said, come inside the house, stay in my office and sleep there for the night, let the storm pass by. And then when you wake up tomorrow, just feel free to leave. Like trusted him so much. And it was because of that, that when his, I think, I think his work or student visa run out, the whole town of Lodi petitioned to the governor of New Jersey to let him stay and gave him, you know, and gave him a green card and in turn end up giving citizenship. And it just, I just realized that it's in my blood. Uh, to give and to serve mm-hmm. and to create impact. And uh, I feel like uh, those that resonate with me most are the kids in the Philippines that want to be in sports that just didn't really have anyone to see and look and say, I, you know, when I grew up, I, I, when I was growing up, I just saw that there was a guy wearing a suit in front of a basketball game that when somebody got hurt, he ran there, but nobody looked like me. And I said, I was going to be the guy that's going to be there. So that then when kids in the Philippines see me on the basketball court, they know that kid was, that guy is a kid from the Philippines that made it. <laughs> you don't wear a suit though, do you? Do you wear uh, well, nowadays we don't <laughs> because since the pandemic, um, we have to wear more, uh, I guess, like these, like almost like, uh, like we wear Lululemon pants and these Nike pull, pull up, pull, yeah. pull, um, uh, these, these like pullover sweat, sweaters, because I think they just didn't want us to have to then change into the locker rooms and share possible bacteria or, or virus with the COVID. Yeah. So since COVID, we haven't been wearing suits, but I used to wear a suit. So, <laughs> well, I didn't mean to distract from that powerful story too. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that. That's really, it, it is in your blood and that is incredibly beautiful and powerful. And I can see where that comes from. And I think probably a lot of us have ties to people that have really given maybe in our own families. And we just have to tap into that, you know, like, I think that, that pay, putting our attention on that can foster it more within ourselves. Cause I know that like, there's other, there's other things in my family that I could focus on, but I know that my father also, you know, had stories of the way that he gave, and I really do look to that and to carry on that legacy. And I, I know that those are goals of my own mm. to help pay for people's college and things like that, that he did that, uh, I really, um, and moved by. So I, uh, I hope that that inspires people to look in their own lives for the places that they can carry that forward for sure mm. and find gratitude for it. Right. Just Absolutely. Back around. Mm-hmm. As, you, as you, as you bring, as we reel it back here like that, like uh, that. yeah, as we reel it back here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and you're right, because for me, I begin and end my days with gratitude. And yeah. when I wake up every morning, not only am I grateful that I'm alive, but I'm grateful for the fact I have one more day to create impact in this world. 
I love the way that you said that. I'm going to borrow that. And <laughs> I, I am, I'm sure I'll tweak it and make it my own, but I, I love that. I want to, um, I, I think that as I, as I develop this morning and evening gratitude practice, which is what I'm working on right now, like literally when I say right now, like literally like in the past few days, I've heard it on a couple other podcast interviews I've done. And, and I'm like, ah, why am I not doing that? So the fact that you're saying this, I'm like, that's so beautiful. And I know that I can do it and my partner too. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm really, I'm really excited about that. Um, I want to, yes, snap to that and here's to spreading it, you know, and, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, I'm way into, uh, before we wrap up and I want to throw the floor to you. And I, I just want to ask, what is this? What are you wearing? What is this? You have this little puff. Oh, thing. oh what no, it's, it's pom-poms. Uh, I have my, I have my, um, love tuner. Uh, it's a yes. 528 Hertz. Mm-hmm. The first one was given to me by the founder of love tuner. As I was doing a mindfulness, uh, set, in the middle of Eastern Europe's largest dance music festival in Transylvania, Romania. That's incredible. What Believe is it? that. <laughs> Weird situation. I don't know how I got into it, but next you know, I'm like in this massive dance festival and you're like, are you sure people want to listen to mindfulness? <laughs> and then I met the, and then the founder of this was there and he was like, Hey, I would love to give you a gift. Like, you know, I l- love the, the crew that you're in. You're, you're a positive personal growth people. Would you like, one of these. And I was like, sure. I was like, cool. And and I heard all the story about obviously how it started and all that other stuff. And so, and I didn't realize at some point after that, Deepak Chopra becomes a big ambassador for them. So I like uh, them. So that's yeah. a luck tuner. And these are pom-poms. Um, they are uh, from Oaxaca in Mexico, uh, created by these artisan ladies uh, and my friend Yoyo Cortez and the rest of her company called Ubuntu Marketplace brings them from Mexico to little uh, places like either Venice in LA or Who's your friend? Brooklyn. Who is it? Well, Yoyo Cortez. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I know. Amal, do you know her? Amal, no, I, don't... She, I thought she was affiliated with Ubuntu Life, but that's very cool. I do follow them. Yeah. And they're really, so, really cool. Yeah. They provide so, a lot of opportunities for people. Yeah. They help these artists and ladies in Oaxaca. And mm-hmm. so this is like a symbol of like people in my community. Like uh, there's one of our friends, David Yaros, who literally just wears this every single time. It's like, I love it. It's him in every possible color. And so what happened is that actually with them, uh, the, the my first of this kind of, um, I call them bolo or the more the Mexicans gaucho hats was the pink one I bought at um, from, from the Ubuntu marketplace that we're doing like a pop-up here in, in New York. And I bought this pink one. I brought it to Burning Man and it became, it's my, my Burning Man hat. But then I ended up saying, I want to support them. I want to support the artists and ladies. So I bought pretty much every color. Uh, I love it. Every color. And then next thing you know, I am um, going crazy over uh, buying Goren Brothers stuff too. And Next, you know, they make me an ambassador because you're like, hey, you're wearing hats all the time. We just make you a Gorham Rack official ambassador. I was like, sure, why not? I love it. <laughs> you're, you're, doing your, uh, you're doing your ambassadorship justice because it's all behind you. And, the, I know. and, and more of the more of the um, little pom-poms. pom-poms yeah. yeah. I didn't even realize that till right now. They're so yeah, cute. it's more, more of a here. And people think yeah. this is like a fake background. Like, is that like a fake background you have there? It's like a virtual background? No, it's actually <laughs> I, I did not. I, I thought can't. they were real hats because I've seen your style. So I have yeah. like, yeah, I, and, and I have like, oh, like almost like a hundred of them, including a number of one of ones, <laughs> uh, custom made ones. So, well, that's that's the way I hang mine up too. I just put like a thumbtack in the wall. And yeah, I think that's, that's the best way. Just make sure to rotate them, by the way. Ah, take the good. hat because good you advice. don't want to warp on one side. You want to like the weight, the gravity brings it. So kind of rotate them like maybe every other month or something. Nice. I like to sprinkle in a little fashion advice in here and you have yeah. great style. So thank but you. Also, <laughs> that's also maintenance. They're also maintenance. They are. If yes. you're, you're investing in a nice custom-made hat, you want to make sure that it doesn't break down within the first month you buy it. So For sure. So I'm about to go rotate my hats. But first... <laughs> Uh, I need to, but first I want to turn it over to you as we wrap up and just, is there anything on your heart or anything that you want to reiterate or anything that you want to share um, before we go today and that, or anything that we missed even? Uh, wow. We, I think we covered a lot uh, we did. And, and I'm so grateful to you for, for allowing me the space and time to be able to, to share this. I think uh, for me, if there's something that may be that has been a little bit missing 
um, from everything that in my world is gratitude. Uh, I think is to remind people that it's okay to go through stuff as a as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as even as a clinician climbing up the ranks that you can have bad days too. And even the most positive people like myself, the most grateful people like myself, I have bad days too. And yeah, there's days that I just found find impossible to get grounded. And even a quick trip somewhere doesn't get you there, but you realize that it's the people that are around you and the community that you hold sacred and dear who are your ride or dies. Those are the ones that will ground you uh, and remind you that you are the superstar that you are. And so make sure that you give you give quality people quality time because they will be the ones that will bring the quality back to you. Beautiful. Well said. And I am so grateful for you today. And I would encourage everyone to follow you on YouTube, to follow you <laughs> everywhere. And I believe you are at Irwin B. Valencia. Most places, is that correct? In, in most places, share? yes. Most mm-hmm. places. I'm trying to get that for YouTube too. Like, I, I, my YouTube is so small that when I just want to get to a hundred so that I can actually get the Irwin B Valencia. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. It's, and it's E R W I N, but yes. everything will be in the show notes. All your links will be in the show notes and people can follow you and find your daily gratitude and follow your progress as you work to impact 1 million lives. But I think you'll probably impact a lot more than that and if you haven't already. So yeah, <laughs> which maybe you have. So I am, I'm super grateful. Thank you so much for being here today. Amy, thank you for having me. Uh, I am so grateful for for this connection. I don't even know how it even happened initially, but it, you know, I don't I think, either. I was wondering. Is it Nita? It was it because of Nita? Nita Busan? No, I don't know. I don't. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. Was it because I don't of know. Clubhouse or Twitter? <laughs> I, we don't even know. So speaking of, <laughs> make sure to join the Gratitude Gang on Twitter space uh, on both Twitter Spaces and on on Clubhouse if if you're still in Clubhouse. Um, and uh, and. and and yeah, I, I think I think it's 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 every opportunity that we get for for the universe to help us connect with amazing people like yourself that we should grab by the horns and uh, take because we never know when uh, we might not get the chance again. Oh, that is so true. We never know. So seize the moment and do it now and be grateful in the process. I couldn't Amen. agree more. So uh, everyone, please follow Irwin and um, follow his work and just uh, stay grateful. These are such good practices and um, such good things that we can implement in our lives that make such an impact in our happiness. And that's really the idea when you get to the root of things, when you look at like, why do I want more money? Why do I want this? Why do I want this house? Why do I want this? Really, you're just getting to, I just want to be happy. I want to feel safe, secure, and happy. And that is part of this gratitude practice is making you feel happy and doing such a simple, simple act to foster that. So Mm -hmm. Ah, there we are. So thank you everyone for being here. Please rate, review, subscribe, share it with a friend, have a discussion with them. It's all about spreading messages as we were talking about. And I'm just so grateful to be here right now to have connected with you, Erwin, to connect with every single person that's here and raising your own voices. And I hope this inspires you in some way to raise your unique story because it truly, truly matters and go for it. Impact a million lives. Think big, get wild with it. Get great. Get get wild. Get wild. Get wild. And uh, I love everybody so much. And just thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for you being here today to today's guest, Erwin. Well, thank Thank you. you. This has been the Amy Edwards Show from Overcome Studios. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you so much for being here. Sign up for our newsletter at amyedwards.com.